Hello, are you guys enjoying yourselves so far? Yeah. It's been great. I've been blessed by all of the sessions. And we only had one general session, but I've been to two uh, breakout sessions now. They've been great. And so I hope that this can be a blessing uh, to you. Um, if, if there's one thing that, you're that I wanted you to hear, and then if you're going to check me out the rest of the time, I, just, I want you to just hear this. The book of Jude says, of some having compassion, making a difference. And it's, it's going to be important to make sure as we dive into this topic on marriage and mental health that one of the greatest tools that you're going to need for your spouse is compassion. Um, I, I think we don't, I don't, I don't think we extend enough of that. And it's going to help go a long way as you work through things because, and we're going to talk about it here in a second, but it can, it's not just taxing on the person who is enduring a mental health conflict, but it's also taxing on the spouse as well, the person who is, who is taking care of them. I've, I've worked with uh, scores and scores of people um, who I'm even thinking about who've had to get their parents or grandparents off of the couch because they're in a drunken stupor and say, hey, feed me, right? And we, and we see people going through difficult stuff or being in so depressed that they can't get out of bed and they're not taking care of themselves and the kind of strain that it has on on a, on a husband or a wife or, or their children. And it's going to be important to remember that compassion has to be a key tenet um, of your relationship because if you don't extend that, you can find yourself being frustrated and burnt out quickly. Okay? So before I give away too much of my lesson, why don't we ask God for his help? Um, and then we'll dive in. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for your son, for the finished work on the cross. God, thank you so much for giving us marriage. Um, thank you for allowing us to have uh, those help meets, Lord, flesh of our flesh and bone of our bone. Um, the first time you said it wasn't good in creation was when you saw that man was alone, and we've been able to be beneficiaries of that ever since. And so, God, I pray that we'd be good stewards of our marriages, and God will give you all the honor and glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray, and we're thankful. Amen. Amen. All right, so I'm going to be 110% honest. I'm about to overload you with a lot of information. So uh, I hope that maybe if you miss some things that you'll be able to go back to the recordings that Pastor Dan's going to put out um, and be able to um, re-listen to some things in case you miss some stuff. I plan to do three things today. I plan to talk about, number one, how your own mental health can show up in your marriage. The second thing that I want to talk about is some of the effects, both positive and negative, that effects that marriage can have on your mental health and then I want to round that out by talking about how you can be a good support system to a spouse who is battling with their mental health okay so number one how poor mental health may show up in your marriage number one is emotional distance okay so what we're talking about for on the front end is you you and what you're navigating what you're dealing with um, and how it affects your marriage and it's, it can cause um, emotional distance this is becoming distant or withdrawn, having difficulty in expressing feelings, um, and having a difficulty connecting. Um, we're working through um, our workshop on Wednesday nights, Eye to Us, um, Thinking for Everyone. And we, we just got done talking about how intimacy is multifaceted. It's mental, it's emotional, it's physical, it's physiological, it's spiritual, slash existential. And once there is a breakdown in any one of those areas, you will feel it in your relationships. So what ends up happening is whenever we start to feel taxed from whatever mental health situation we're dealing with, what, can, what it can do is translate into the emotional distance that happens in our marriages. 
Following that, not only emotional distance, but mood swings. Severe changes that come with things like depression or bipolar or anxiety or even something that's undiagnosed is that the person having a difficulty managing their mood can cause other issues in the relationship such as instability. It can cause you not be on the same page. It can cause your spouse to feel as though they can't come to you because of their fearing what can come from the interaction. Or there might be apprehension in conflict resolution where instead of being assertive people, you both become passive people because it's easier to walk on eggshells than it is to actually engage with it. And that's not going to help anything. Not only emotional distance and mood swings, but irritability and anger. Someone struggling with irritability and anger can have some of those same effects, like leading to conflict. And the reason why is because, and I think uh, Nicole and Anthony, where y'all at? They, uh, they were talking about it in their breakout session earlier today and how we have a natural tendency to be predisposed to taking out the different things that happen in our lives on our spouse or even on our children. We have a fancy term for that called displacement. It's like when you're at work and your boss is being a jerk to you, but you can't take it out on your boss because you need your job, right? So we take it out on people who we know, A, won't leave us, right? And that there won't be any real consequences. And so we have a tendency to take that irritability and that anger out on people and that can, in our lives, especially our spouse. And it's usually because our, our spouses are usually the ones who will be a punching bag enough to take it. And we know that. So we abuse it, okay? Be careful about that. That can cause a lot of strain on your, on your marriage. Communication issues. I'm willing to bet an entire year's salary. Okay? Willing to bet. That's how serious I, that's how That's how confident I am on this. That before there is divorce and before there is infidelity, the root cause is that at some point they stopped communicating. They stopped talking. Someone has either given up or someone just doesn't care. Someone's ceasing in it. Someone's not listening, but there's a breakdown in communication. Whenever people stop, whenever people stop feeling heard, they will stop communicating. When they stop communicating, the world is your oyster for all the things that can show up in the relationship. Communication issues. Um, so if you struggle to communicate, like even your problems, it can cause miscommunication. Miscommunication leads to misunderstandings. Misunderstandings lead to conflict. What's funny is that um, when it comes to mental health, and I was share, I've been sharing this in my workshop, is that roughly 75% of issues that show up in counseling are not schizophrenia and bipolar with psychotic features. It's everyday issues of coping and functioning. Most of the people that I see in counseling are dealing with stuff due to their relationships, most of them. And most of those are miscommunications and misunderstandings. Most of them. Most of them. So communication your lack of communication can cause issues in your marriage. Another thing that can happen from your own mental health is that you may become socially withdrawn. Someone battling something like anxiety may struggle to engage with others. This may cause resistance in attending events. This may cause difficulties in interacting with your spouse's friends or with your spouse's family. And what you can do is start to distance yourself from, other, from the people around you. And if, I, and if there's one thing that really rivals therapy, I really feel, is a good social support system. And what ends up happening is that we can become, start to withdraw ourselves from the people around us that we love, that we care about, and inadvertently withdraw from our spouse and try to internalize our problems. And that can make matters worse. Difficulties in intimacy. Things like anxiety and depression can affect a person's libido or even their interest in sex. And although 
the, the physical act of sex is not going to be something that is the main core of intimacy, but it's a powerful tenet. It's a powerful tenet. But breakdowns in where you are from a mental perspective, again, it affects your mental intimacy with your spouse, right? Which is the more intellectual kind, the emotional kind, the ability to empathize, the, uh, the physiological side, right? That's the butterflies you get when, when he holds your hand or, or the way that you feel when she rubs your back or whatever it might be, all the way down to the sexual stuff. But there can be breakdowns in intimacy when someone's mental health is not where it needs to be. Another element of it is that there can be neglecting in the responsibilities. So the top three reasons that couples divorce is infidelity, in-laws, and finances. Um, and it's not uncommon to see that someone's having a difficult time uh, contributing to their responsibilities. That might be like paying the bills or contributing to the finances. That might be doing their part in raising the kids. That might be doing their part in keeping the home. And someone who is struggling will begin to neglect, can begin to neglect their responsibilities at home, which can cause further discord um, in the home. So keeping those things in mind. Substance abuse is another one. Someone who's struggling with their mental health may begin to use drugs or alcohol to cope uh, with their feelings. And I think it goes without saying that addiction can cause a great deal of strain in the relationship. Financial problems. Someone who's having poor mental health may have financial problems and it can, they may have difficulties keeping a job. They may constantly battle with feelings of burnout or stress. They may constantly battle with feelings of resentment and all of those things begin to affect the marriage relationship, especially if the person who is struggling with their mental health and it's affecting their employment, it might, and they're the, they might be the major breadwinner for the home. So if you're not working, you're not keeping a job, you can't keep your job, you're not able to pay your bills, you're not able to sustain, now you have to deal with your hierarchy of needs and how that affects your family dynamic above your mental health. It can be very difficult for that person. They also may be reluctant to seek help. This may, this may mean that they may not want to seek treatment or get professional help. Um, if there is someone who is taking medication, they may be reluctant to take it. And reluctance can cause further strain when the other person in the relationship sees that the individual is not taking the steps necessary to get themselves the help that they need, to heal, to overcome their difficulties, which of course can cause further strain. So I know I just gave y'all a bunch of stuff um, on that, but that's how serious it is, is that, and, I, and this happens a lot, when I, it's not long when I start seeing a couple for therapy that I end up seeing one or both of them individually as well. Or they go and, see, or, or they go and seek help elsewhere. And the reason why that is is because you start to learn very quickly um, that we have our own growth to do in a, lot of these, in a lot of these areas and that if we aren't bettering ourselves and giving attention to ourselves, then we're gonna have a difficulty giving attention to others. We've talked about this concept in our, again, in our workshop. We talked about how the standard by which, and, and Pastor um, Tice talked, touched on it a little bit today, um, about how the standard by which we treat others is defined by how we treat ourselves. So you may say, Pastor, that's egocentric. Well, let me give you some examples, right? We talked about how, right, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and might, right? The second's like into the first, that you love your neighbor as your? As yourself, right? Um, in the, the book of Galatians says that we're supposed to bear each other's burdens, but before it gets to that, in verse 5, it says that you have to be able to bear your own burden. Husbands, love your wife as you love your 
Right, as you love yourself, because no one ever yet hated his flesh, but he nourisheth and cherisheth it. So shall a man love his wife. You see what I'm saying? So that component of like, if you are not taking care of you, you are going to have a difficult part a difficult time being able to take out, take care of someone else. Does that make sense? Like the way that you frame yourself, because think about those things on the antithesis to that, of like if he is not nourishing himself and he is not cherishing himself, then how can he nourish and cherish her? The standard for that is how he treats himself, right? If he loves his neighbor, he can't love his neighbor if he doesn't love himself, right? He doesn't know how. So the first part is thinking about how it's important to remember that your mental health, poor mental health can show up in your marriage. But the second thing is that marriage can have an effect on your mental health, right? And so there's some positive effects that marriage has on mental health. The first thing is good emotional support. Um, <laughs> I, I like to say that, um, that being able to come home to Calais is like having a slumber party every day, right? You get to, you get to have, you get to hang out with your best friend every single day. Um, and being able to have good emotional support is an important component. As when we do our intake sessions in therapy, we always ask, what is your support system like? Do you have one? And many, not all, but many of the people, the vast majority of the people who come into therapy profess to not have a good social support system. Not all, but many. Some people just don't have that. Someone who is loving and supporting is a huge advantage that you get to have in this life. Not everyone has that. Another, another positive effect um, that marriage has on mental health is reduced stress. Reduced stress, having help in your responsibilities. This helps to facilitate stress relief. Someone who can, um, a lot of times, Kalei and I will have to tag team Rowan. Look, that girl is the strength of 10 kids. Stop asking us if we're having more, we just can't. <laughs> Rowan's too much, Rowan's too much. And I, I kid you not, like Kalei will get up and she'll go in and she'll grab Rowan out of the bed and she'll get her dressed and then I'll brush her teeth and then she'll get her breakfast ready. Then one of us will do her hair, whichever one has enough strength to handle her for the morning, right? And those different things. And you see how even in something small like that, and I say small, but that's an everyday occurrence with Rowan and brushing her teeth, a whole nother story, right? And take that times every other element that you have. That is the chores, again, that is your finances, that is paying your bills, right? That is all of the different components that come along uh, with your relationship. You have help in managing this life by having someone who's able to walk alongside life with you. This is assistance in coping mechanisms. There's a lot of times where I've come home, especially after a difficult day, and I've just been like, I just need a hug, can I have one? Right? And being able to have somebody to be a soundboard who you can talk through, uh, talk through things with. Someone who knows your coping mechanisms that says, hey, you should take some, did you go to the gym today? Are you getting enough sleep? Did you drink water? Did you have lunch today? Right? Someone who is checking in on you to make sure that you're doing what you need to do from a wellness standpoint so that you can be your best. And one of the, one of, not the last, but the last one that I have is um, increased happiness. People who are in a marital relationship, a healthy marital relationship, usually report higher levels of happiness and satisfaction. Now, we know that happiness is an emotion and that emotions fluctuate. Um, but again, people who are in a marriage usually have increased happiness um, in, their, in that marriage. But of course, there are negative effects, potential negative effects that a marriage could have on your mental health, right? Because nothing's perfect. So I wanted to give you some of those. And these are not to say, hey, watch out for marriage, because I mean, if y'all are here, you're already in it, sorry, right? <laughs> but these are just some things that if you realize that these things are natural components 
as you develop in your marriage and you develop in your relationship, whether you've been married for months or whether you've been married longer than I've been alive, right? These things can still show up in your relationship. And the more, what do you say? The best way to beat your enemy is to know your enemy, right? So if you know that these things can show up, you can be better armed against it. One of the potential negative effects on a marriage is being in each other's face all the time, <laughs> right? Too close. You think about this. It was really easy when you could take her on a date and then drop her home to her parents' house, right? That was it. You get to go back to your house, play 2K if you felt like it all night, do whatever you want. Not when you're married. <laughs> Not when you're married, right? Um, and sometimes, and maybe not even just in your, mar in your, in your romantic relationships as, as throughout your life, but even in your platonic ones, you may have noticed that relationships where there's a little bit of space sometimes for like the healthiest ones, right? Because you're not just on top of each other um, all the time. And so sometimes being in the same space all the time, I th I and I tell my couples this as well, especially in premarital counseling, that you've taken two people that have spent usually 20 plus years raised in a certain environment and stuck them both in the same house and said, figure it out. That can be tough, right? And so being in each other's space, like for, for instance, if you know me, I have a trillion shoes. It just happens, I'm sorry, it just does. But poor Kalea has to deal with shoes everywhere, by the front door, in the living room, three under the bed, in the closet, everywhere, right? And that's not her thing. And so I have to work on being able to accommodate the needs that she has and like, hey, I want my house to be tidy, right? And I also have to be like, let me have my shoes everywhere. It's nice for me, right? So it's, it can be a lot, right? Um, but being in each other's space all the time can facilitate conflict and stress. Um, a second thing is that being a support system means that you may be financially responsible for your family and that can be a huge stressor when you know that there are people who are depending on you. Um, a person or people, depending on if you have children or uh, some people have their, you know, your parents may have to move in because they're, an, they're an, uh, uh, older in age and people who are depending on you, it can be, it can be a tough stre stressor and a lot of pressure on you. It can cause you to, um, to, to overperform or overexert yourself and not only that, but it can push you to working so much that you don't even have energy left to be able to contribute to your family to contribute to your marriage. And so the same thing that's helping you is also being a curse to you as well. It requires balance, but it can be a lot of pressure to be the person who's financially responsible for your family. Another negative effect, potential negative effect on the marriage is isolated from other support systems. Isolated from other support systems. And what you'll find out, especially like in the dating phase, you know how it is, you and your friends, you're hanging out all the time, and then so-and-so got a girlfriend and then you don't see them ever again. Right? You don't see him ever again. You don't see him ever again. You don't see her ever again. Um, and, and that's a natural thing, right? And, and it's, it's important for you to, to have balance, to work on balance, but it can be tough. I mean, especially us being married. Um, I, I hear my singles all the time talk about how difficult it is to find friends because, or to connect with friends because, you know, either we're doing our own thing as singles and, and we're, my friends are busy or I have my, my people who are in couples and then take it a step further, they have children and it can be difficult, right? Because think about it, you go and you work all day, you come home, you have to be husband or you have to be wife and then a step further for many of us is you have to go home and be a mom or dad too. And it can suck up all of your time, which may mean that you don't get as much guy time as you need or you don't get as much girl time as you need. 
And so sometimes you can start to see the support that you would normally get from other areas be really strained because a lot of your time is, is focused just on your relationship. And if that's you, I want to take a second to say, if that's you, please work on that, right? Because I, as I mentioned in that first point on the negative effects is being in each other's face all the time can be an issue, right? And so sometimes being able to have fellas that you can, you can connect with, other ladies that you can connect with, gives you guys time uh, to process things, to work through things. Um, and it's not so much about the space, right? Even the Bible says to be careful about taking too much space uh, because it gives, it gives room for the devil to do different things. So I'm not saying separate from your, from your spouse. What I am saying is that being on top of each other all the time may not be a good thing for you especially if, um, like Pastor Tice was talking about, especially if your personalities naturally clash, right? It can be difficult to navigate some things. And sometimes you might need to take a step back and call Joe, you know, or, or hang out with Susie and see if you guys can take some time to process and come back together and fix some things. Another one that's kind of uncomfortable is a potential for abuse and trauma. Um, unfortunately, even in Christian marriages, these things show up. These things show up. Um, mental abuse and emotional abuse um, and physical abuse and even sexual abuse uh, can occur. Um, and that's why um, even in our Ida Us series, we've been talking about not just healthy communication skills, but also healthy boundaries, right? And being able to work through making sure that it is a healthy and a safe environment. The potential for divorce and separation is also a potential risk, Right? You, you may be posed with that question, which one is better, to have and lost or to never have at all? And some people are just like, well, I don't even want to get into that because I don't want to get to a place where I can lose it. And then there's others who are like, man, I'm here and I'm scared that we're not going to be able to make it. And, it's gonna, and we're going to talk more about how to navigate some of those things here in a second. Um, but that's why um, it's important to get ahead of this. I, I feel like this year has been one of my hardest years for couples. Um, which is who I, it hasn't always been that way, but couples are some of the highest demand that I'm seeing right now. And I keep telling my couples, stop waiting until you're in the red zone to get help. Stop waiting until you guys are like, you should, I, you should have heard how many times someone has come to me and said, you're our, you're our last shot. And in my mind, I'm like, pack up. And so far, even just this year, and it's not even over yet, Every couple who has come in and has told me this is our last ditch effort to work through this didn't even make it through our, the curriculum. Some people lasting only one or two sessions before I get an, an inevitable call or text that says, hey, we won't be coming back. We're done. Don't wait until you're in that, that place. And, all it, and it takes both people because if one person's like, oh no, we don't need counseling, that's usually a telltale sign that you probably need counseling. So keep that in mind. And it doesn't have to be with a mental health professional. I understand that even me can make some people uncomfortable because some people are split on the therapy stuff. But talk to your pastor or the 17 of them that we have at our church, right? <laughs> you have too many tools to go through this and suffer by yourself, right? So there are positive and negative effects that a marriage can have on a relationship, okay? The last thing I want to do is talk about how you can support your spouse as they navigate their mental health. My goal is to kind of run through this a little bit and then take a couple minutes just to talk through some questions that you may, you may have, okay? So how can you support your spouse as they navigate their mental health? Number one, openness and lack of judgment. 
Openness and lack of judgment. Encourage your spouse to talk about their feelings and struggles. You know the word bondage in the Bible can be translated to being in a place of restraint with zero intentions of being set free. Being a place of restraint with no intentions of being set free. And sometimes the ways that bondage can show up in our lives is when we internalize things instead of speaking it out. On a, on a non-biblical point, people who can speak out against something that is an ailment have a 50% increased chance of overcoming it. So it's important to encourage the person to talk about it, to talk about it. And the truth is, is that many of us are stuffers. Many of us are stuffers. I'm just going to deal with it. I'm just going to roll with it. And people will say, well, you know, I, I, it's funny, like, especially my fellas. Fellas, I'm going to get on you for a second. Especially my fellas. Like, I'm just not an emotional person. Yeah, but you're so irritable and you're always angry. Right? <laughs> you're lashing out on your wife and kids. But I'm not an emotional person. Yes, you are. You absolutely are. And it's important to realize, I tell my couples this, um, and anybody, is that you deal with it or it will deal with you. And you dealing with it is like being able to turn the faucet on and off as you need to. It dealing with you is like you going to turn the faucet on and it snaps and the water is just gushing out and then you try to turn the water off under the toilet but it's not working and you got to go around the house and turn it off from outside. You got to call the plumber and it's a mess. And the truth is, is that when you deal with it, you get, to, you get to work through it the way that you need to. When it deals with you, it shows up in ways like chronic migra mi mi uh, migraines, bowel issues. I've seen women as early as 29 go into menopause. Like it has physiological components of internalizing those things. So encourage your spouse that if they're going through things, talk, talk to them. Talk to me. Talk to someone. But not only that, be a good listener. Listen to understand instead of listening to fix or respond. Create a safe environment that they can talk and avoid being critical if you can. Especially the, us church folk, man, like we're guilty of it. Of just because this concept is so new for many of us, we can be like, just get over it. Just deal with it. Like, it's not that serious. You should pray more. Read your Bible more. And all you should pray and you should read your Bible. Um, it's important to realize that being critical is not going to be conducive to creating a healthy environment. The second thing that you can do to support your spouse is to educate yourself. Learn about what your spouse is dealing with. I don't understand, so help me to understand. Let's go and sit down and talk with someone that can help me to understand so that I can support you better. Learn about the symptoms and the components of any diagnosed or undiagnosed issues. Understand that poor mental health is real and is an illness, and it does not mean that that person is weak or fragile. And we automatically contribute that, or we automatically contribute that to a poor prayer life or a poor walk with God. And that's not exactly true. But we don't have time for that today. Maybe another time. A third thing that you can do is encourage professional help. As amazing as you are, you're not a therapist. I tell my couples and families that all the time. You're not a therapist. And we go through extensive training not just on, um, on working on ourselves and making sure that we're, our, we handle our own stuff well and our own wellness well, but also being able to, con I'm, in a counseling session, I am psychoanalyzing everything and anyone in that room at the, at, at the whole time. Eight hours in a day of just constant critical anal analysis all day. And people, I get, I get asked at least once a day, how do you do it? How do you do it? How do you do it? And they're asking a trained professional that question. 
What about the ones who are untrained? You know what we actually do is we try to help and when we realize that we exhaust that quickly because we don't know how exactly to help, what we start doing is distancing ourselves from that person. We start creating space because it's easier to avoid you than to interact and not know how to help you. Just push them to someone who can help, okay? Another thing that you can do is participate in the treatment. Attend some sessions. Attend some doctor's appointments with your spouse. Help them to stick to the interventions that should be helping them be their best. Help them with tracking and taking any medication. This is being able to provide positive reinforcement and celebrating small victories and progress. You're laying in bed at night and the day's over. You say, how'd you do today? Well, you know what? I didn't really have much anxiety. Wow, good for you. That is such a big deal. Let's see if we can facilitate that again tomorrow. You'd be shocked at what your words of affirmation can do to someone who's struggling, especially when they're feeling like they're a burden. This, may, this rolls into our next thing, to facilitate a supportive environment. Work to make an, an environment conducive to nurturing, comfort, and acceptance. You can reduce stressors when you help to facilitate a safe and healthy environment. Are you doing your part to make sure that your home is not a home that is contributing to negative mental and emotional health of the people in your house? How many of us can agree that Sigmund Freud was a weirdo? Who knows about Sigmund Freud? He's a weirdo, right? But one thing that Sigmund Freud hit, on the, hit the nail on the head is that most people's issues are manifestations of their childhood. Most of the things that people are dealing with as adults came from what they experienced as a child in their home, by their parents, most of them, right? So we should be working to make sure that we facilitate a supportive environment, not just for our spouse, but for everyone in there, all right? Moving on. Another thing, and we only have uh, three more, uh, promote self-care. Promote self-care. Encourage your spouse to do things that help them feel relaxed and recharged. Engage with them in it and push them in it. If you can't tell, I'm an extrovert through and through, right? If you wonder where Rowan gets all her energy from, it's Kalea. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's me, unfortunately. Poor girl. She has to deal with the both of us. All right? And, um, but Kalea is naturally not an extrovert. And so because of, because of that, all my life, I've been really good at connecting with others and making friends and jumping in. And that's not, that's not the, the natural component of everyone in my life. Some people are not like that. Where are my introverts at in the room? Introverts, where are you? Look at that. You're so shy, you can't even put your hand up. Right? So because of that, whenever that there comes things like Coffee and Connects or her friends are like, hey, you know, you should come out with us, we're gonna go do this. I'm like, yes, I'll take Rowan. Go, 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 right? Because I want to help her facilitate as many connections as possible so that she can be comfortable um, where she is. You and I have to be good at, for our spouses and, and, for, and our, our spouses for us, encouraging self-care. Hey, did you take a break today? Like I mentioned earlier, did you have lunch? Are you drinking water? Have you, you haven't been to the gym all week? Go, right? Being able to promote self-care. Another thing, is develop patience and understanding. There is a stark difference between sympathy and empathy, okay? Sympathy says, oh, you're sad today. You can't get out of bed, poor you. That's sympathy. Empathy says, I see what's happening and I can understand why it has the kind of effect on you that it does. 
and I'm sorry that it does. How can I help you? Do you see the difference? Many of us get so frustrated, like, oh my gosh, it's the third day in a row, get out of bed, and it's not that easy. It's not that easy sometimes. We have to develop a patience and an understanding, being long-suffering. And the last thing is, and I would say one of the most important components of this, is maintain your own emotional well-being. Maintain your own emotional well-being. As you work to be support, make sure that you are taking care of yourself. Your spouse's poor mental health can and will have a huge effect on you. It can, and it will drain you heavily. And if it drains you and them, the whole house is in trouble. Earlier this year, for the first time that I can remember, I had a fever, 103 degrees. Rowan got sick on a Wednesday, Kalea was sick by a Friday, and I was done by Saturday, and we spent the whole weekend in bed. By Sunday, Rowan's back to piston punching shape, right? But Kalea and I are like deathbed ill, like two sweatshirts, a sweater, multiple blankets, not able to summon the strength to get out of bed until one o'clock. I mean, I just, my body had to work that hard to get the energy to get up, only just to have applesauce. That was our weekend. And one thing I realized was how hard it was to care for a toddler when both of us were down for the count. If both of you burn out, you're in trouble. If both of you burn out, you're in trouble. Make sure that you take care of your own well-being, especially if you work hard to care for them when they struggle. It can be draining. It can be frustrating. Make sure that you have support and that you navigate your own personal self-care because you can only bear the burdens of other people if you can bear your own burdens first. Some of us, uh, Pastor Forrest says this all the time, you can't pour from an empty cup. You can't even pour from a full cup. We, gotta pour from a, we have to pour from the overflow. We have to constantly be pouring into ourselves so that we can have enough in us to help those around us. And if you are not taking care of yourself, it's only gonna be a matter of time before you're in a tough spot just like they are. So if you're gonna help, be a help, we love that. And I, and I, I encourage it to the, to the 10th power. But at the same time, you have to make sure that you are taking time and taking care of you as well. If not, it's going to be a perfect storm for some trouble. Okay, let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for your son, for the finished work on the cross. Father, I pray that you would help us to be, again, good stewards of our marriage. Father, I pray that you would uh, help us to keep our eyes fixed on, on you, that we would run to you um, and utilize the tools and resources that you have given us in order to be the best support systems that we can uh, to our spouses. Thank you that you are gracious enough to give us spouses, Lord, um, and we'll give you all the honor and glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray and we're thankful. Amen. Amen.